Hello and welcome to Read All About It, the podcast where people talk about their favourite and not-so-favourite books. Join me, Paul Cuddihy, as I take each guest on the literary journey of their life, from their most cherished childhood read and a book they'd recommend to anyone, to the book they couldn't be paid to read again, and much more in between. So listen, enjoy, subscribe and spread the word about the Read All About It podcast. Hello and welcome to the Read All About It podcast and this is the last podcast of 2020 and so I thought it was appropriate that the first guest on the Read All About It podcast way back in January of this year should also be the final guest of this year and of course I'm talking about Chris Dolan who is a regular guest on the podcast and Chris, it was you and I that started this fantastic book adventure way back in January, it seems so long ago now. I'm just worried that I'm so associated with 2020. Uh, that's the one year you don't want to be associated with so I began and ended 2020 so next year your podcast will be much better well, well I'm, I'm hoping to recruit you again in 2021 to do various things but we obviously you appeared on the podcast in the original format and then we've done various things throughout the course of the year on different subjects but we kind of thought that the way to end 2020 was actually to look ahead to 2021 and we've both picked five books that we are planning to read uh, next year old or new and I mean I have to say as we'll go through your choice in particular I, I'm, I'm going to commend you for the way that you've kind of broken them down I've just kind of chosen five books I quite fancy reading but I think you've kind of you seem to put a wee bit more thought into it and the first book well it's in a category of poetry and it's Jackie Kay. Yeah just generally I, 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 I want to start reading more poetry I've, I've always written bits of poetry and I've always quite enjoyed it I've, I've no idea, I don't suppose we know at all whether the novelist, short story writers or anything, how good we are, that's for others to judge, you just don't know. I don't know if I'm any good at poetry, uh, but I, I write poetry. And it's that thing I keep telling students and other people, if you, know, if you want to write, then you have to read. You know, you do come across people who, who want to write stuff, and then they say, well, yeah, I don't know, who are your favourite authors? Well, I don't know, they read that much. It's like saying, well, you, know, you want to become a footballer, but you don't watch football. You know, I mean, you can't. Uh, so if I'm going to uh, write more poetry, then I, I want to read more poetry. Yeah, I just want to read poetry in general. And there's lots of people I want to uh, read. Uh, I want to read uh, Scottish poetry. Uh, and there's people I know, because I have, you know, read bits and balls of poetry. I've read quite a lot of poetry books. I tend to dip in and out of them and I forget about them. I mean, Don Patterson, I really like from what I've read. Uh, Kathleen Jamie, I want to read more of. But yeah, if I was going to choose one poet that I really want to just look at more, uh, I've, I've liked everything that Jackie Cade's ever written. And I've heard her recite or you know, say her poetry and, and the book festivals and on radio and stuff like that. And I've always really liked it. So, yeah, I thought Jackie Kay. And there's also a connection with what I've been doing this year. has been taken up with and this, this memoir book I'm writing. She wrote a brilliant memoir. So I feel it's kind of connection with what she's doing. Um, so, yeah, so I just thought I would, I'm going to start off reading poetry and trying to get my, my head into it and understand it better than where better to start than with the, the other wonderful Jackie Kay. Because it's funny, I, I've remarked a few times, there was a, a programme that was on BBC Scotland in recent months called, I think it was The Big Scottish Read with Damon Barr, and it was brilliant, it was a brilliant programme, and they always had a poet on at the end of every show, and more often than not, I would be saying to my wife, do you know, I have absolutely no idea, I have no knowledge at all about poetry, I'm not really sure even how to appreciate it, and I kind of, partly, I can agree with you in terms of wanting to read more poetry, I'd quite like to, whether it's to do a class or a, a course and studying it, so that I, I kind of get a sense of, understanding what it is that I'm reading. I know exactly what you mean. I mean, uh, I once heard John Patterson speak to Holocaust a couple of years ago, and he was brilliant. And it really did make me realise that, uh, you know, I mess about with writing poetry. What all poetry, I mean, basically, that rule of, is poetry if the lines don't reach the end of the page. 
you know what I mean? <laughs> that's roughly kind of how I go about poetry. I get listen to some like Don Parson, who understands poetry inside out, and you realise how little you know. Uh, and, and also, I've been quite excited listening to him, so I'd like to know more about that. It seems really interesting. I mean, Parson's also a, a, a jazz musician, and he kind of related it to that a lot. You know, you can't just suddenly pick up a trumpet and start playing jazz. You have to know what it is and what, you know, what different types of jazz can do and, you know, rhythm and all that stuff. Uh, and I thought he was brilliant on it and, and just understanding different forms of poetry. Uh, so I'd like to get to know more forms rather than just that kind of slightly easier blank verse thing. That's what I tend to be. So, yeah, um, yeah, like you, I don't, I feel as if it's quite exciting. There's a whole area out there that I, I really don't know nearly enough about. But virtually any time I, I read poetry, I've always really liked it. It's about you and I are both into songwriting. So it feels like, you know, you're, you're already kind of, between us, already been writing some kind of poetry to music. So there are kind of ins there that you feel as if, you know, you've, you've got some kind of ins. Yeah, although I kind of cheat and I let Robert Louis Stevenson write my lyrics. And I'll be getting two or three songs that you wrote and are brilliant. Because uh, one of the things I find with uh, novels, for example, I much prefer reading them to, to hearing people read from them. That's why it's kind of, I've never really wanted to get down the audiobook route, although I'm quite curious to see how I got on. Poetry, on the other hand, I find it much more accessible, particularly if somebody's quite good in terms of performing. Even someone who a lot of people would be familiar with, like Seamus Heaney. That I would read some Seamus Heaney poems, but I remember watching a documentary and they obviously had footage of him or just even his voiceover reading it. And it was so much more powerful because I think it's it's a much more visual thing and it connects with the voice much better. Oh, you're right. I think, I think it is a kind of a form of music, isn't it? You're right. I love hearing read every good poet. So if you go to poetry readings, and I don't, I think, go to festivals and I might happen to be a poetry reading, it wouldn't really occur to me to go and see a poetry read, but I will now this year. Uh, I really want to go and hear if we ever manage to get to hear anybody live again. But yeah, the minute I hear somebody actually read it, I think, wow, I don't get that. And then when you go back and read it yourself, if you've already heard it, it just feels completely different to you. So I say, uh, Don Parson a couple of years ago, and I went back and I had a couple of books as I went back and reread them. And now having his voice and his rhythm and the way he did it, it made, it, it made a huge amount of difference. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a form of music, isn't it? It's kind of supposed to be Kayleigh-like that we sit and, and listen to tell the story. So 2021 is the year of poetry and this is just a, a way of me just giving a wee plug and a wee reminder to anyone. Obviously, I've been putting out something every day in December. So on Christmas Day, it was a special podcast and it was the, the five songs that I had recorded in the studio that are the Robert Louis Stevenson poems. And I got, obviously, members of my family to read the poem and then we played in the song. So if you haven't heard it yet, uh, once you've, uh, you've finished listening to Chris and I, go back and tune in and you get a bit of poetry and a bit of song. So you can't, you can't say fairer than that. Do listen to that because uh, I think your settings are brilliant. They're really good settings. Uh, we're working on it's interesting, quite, quite modern settings, I think, in terms of the kind of chord structures and things like you use, but it just blend perfectly with the poems you've chosen. So I'll be listening to that one. Now, a slight link in terms of poetry onto my first book choice of the book I'm going to read in 2021. And the, the first book is a book called A Ghost in the Throat by Darren Nagrifa, who is a, an Irish poet. I think she's based in Cork. And this is a book that was recommended to me by Margot McQuaig, who's a friend of mine. She was also one of the guests on the 12 Days of Bookmas series. And it's a book where Darren Nagrifa, it's partly her story, but also it's linked with, she became fascinated with this poem that was written in the 1700s. And it's about an Irish noblewoman who, discovering that her husband's been murdered, she drinks handfuls of his blood and then composes this extraordinary poem. So I think it's quite a famous poem in Irish literature. 
And Darren Agrifa became fascinated by this poem and wanted to know more about the woman who had written the poem and her story, but then links it to the present day to her own story. They call it autofiction. I'm not really sure what that, that is, to be honest. It's obviously, it's a kind of, I suppose, a narrative nonfiction. It sounds absolutely fascinating and, and Margot was talking really highly of it. So that would be, that's one of the books that I'm planning to read in 2021. One of the things, by the way, that I'm going to say here is throughout the series we've done this year, and the ones I've been involved in, but also the ones I've heard and I've not been involved in, I've got a list of about, I think the last time I looked at this, only 36 books on it, which you or other people have recommended. So there's all those as well as the ones, I've, and I've, I've got my way not to choose those because we've already spoken about those ones. But that's a big list, and some of them I've got, and lying beside uh, on my desk, which I fancy get onto. But that one is another one I've got onto as well, because I'm really interested in, like you, I'm never quite sure what auto picture means, but... You know, that thing about memoir, about fiction, but, you know, playing with uh, what's real and what's not real and stuff like that, that sounds great. And the, the whole story and the way you tell it and the, the whole Irish thing just sounds amazing, actually. When I was talking to Margot on the 12 Days of Bookmas and I was saying to her, I had, there's a wee clip on YouTube of Darren Nagrifa that you can watch. It's about three minutes and she films it in her car. And what she was saying is she wrote most of the book. She's got young, a young family, so she would drop the kids off at school and she, she used to drive the car to the top deck of a, a local car park. So to get a bit of solitude and a bit of peace, and then she would write this book. So that's why she filmed this wee short promo for the book in the car, in the car park. And I thought that's, again, that's kind of testament to somebody's dedication, because obviously there's that, all the demands of life and family life, but still this urge to write, and then just having to find those unusual moments and spaces to do it. That's brilliant. I'll look at that. That's great. You know, I'm really interested where people end up writing. Uh, I told you that uh, you might know, actually, Paul, uh, Journalist, who's also a crime writer, Scottish, Matt Bindoris. I know the name, I don't know him. Uh, Matt says, and I, I hope it's true, uh, I don't care if it's not really, but I love the idea that uh, he lives in Edinburgh but works in Glasgow or vice versa. I think exactly right. I think he lives in Edinburgh and works in Glasgow. And he wrote, he's got about four, I think, thrillers now, and he wrote them all on his phone on the journey to and from work. Two fingers on the phone, and he's written four novels that way. And I, I love that idea. Impossible for me. No way I could do that. I'm just really impressed by the idea of it. So, yeah, fascinating for people finding places to write. It's also a good bit younger than us. I when I tell my kids that, they go, yeah, and what? Uh, they can see that. But for me, in that little box trying to do with two fingers and thumbs, I think, what, seriously? But when I watch my kids on a phone, they're actually faster than they are on a computer, so maybe. And he'll probably have a computer to, to check his spellings. If, if he's anything like my kids, they, they, they can type really fast but can't spell or punctuate. I'm sure that's true. I'm sure then goes back and takes it all up, but you know, so the, 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 the vast majority of work. So I love the idea of the room sitting in the car park because you've got a young family. That's really, you know, I'll look at that clip. Now we're on to your second, the second book that you're going to be reading in 2021 and that you've gone for the category of memoir and it's Anne Frank. Yeah, so I've, again, I've got a lot of, I want to read a lot of memoirs because I've written one and I've read a whole lot and I'm kind of fascinated. And I'm sure we discussed this before, but it's not biography. Biography is trying to tell the accurate truth. No, of course it's not, because everybody tells their own life in different ways. But it's an attempt, at least, as I understand it, the difference is an attempt, at least, to tell the, the story of a life, an autobiography to tell the story of a human life. Whereas a memoir seems to be a much looser thing, uh, where people use all kinds of things and you know, and don't necessarily try and make them all absolutely perfectly researched. There's a whole number about them, ones I really want to read. Read. And again, I want to read more Scottish stuff. I've, I've quite often feels like I'm reading enough Scottish books and poetry and, and uh, material. So I kind of want to read a bit more Scottish in 2021. So uh, Maggie and Me by Damien Barr. 
I must when I first heard about it, it didn't really appeal to me, but I was speaking to Andrea Gibb, the wonderful television writer, uh, who wrote Elizabeth is Missing, or adapted Elizabeth is Missing, uh, which won lots of BAFTAs and won Glenda Jackson loads of awards, and, and uh, Andrea. And she was raving about this book and saying she's now adapting it for television. And the way she spoke about Damien Bard's book uh, made me think, well, that's fantastic. And I fancy this is not about me, but Janice Gallagher, which I've had for years and I've dipped in and out of, but I've never had a chance to sit down and read cover to cover. But if you're going to read a memoir, I've never read Anne Frank. And it's like one of those great classic books that you know, I've seen adaptations of, I've read about it, I've heard people talk about it, I know all about it, but I've never actually read it. So that seemed to me, if you're going to start doing memoirs, then that is such a classic one and I really need to read that. Well, I'm going to give you two seamless links here because um, I've obviously got a bit better at this. The first is, obviously, you mentioned Jackie Kay already and her memoir, Red Dust Road, is a book that people should read. That's absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. And the other seamless link is uh, Maggie O'Farrell. She wrote a book called I Am, I Am, I Am. And it's I think it's is it 17 Brushes with Death, which is a sort of memoir. It's different episodes in her life. It's a stunning book, absolutely stunning book, even just for the first uh, story that she tells is quite chilling, actually. And the reason this is a seamless link is because it takes me nicely on to the next book that I'm going to read at some point in, in 2021, Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell, which garnered all sorts of praise, all sorts of awards. A few people, certainly people who'd read the book, wondered why it didn't do better in terms of Booker Prize nomination, for example. I was going to say Santa brought me it for Christmas, so I'm delighted that that'll be one of the books I'm definitely going to be reading. And it's a kind of tells a story. Uh, Hamnet was William Shakespeare's son who died in childhood. She stumbled upon, it was almost like a kind of footnote in the life of William Shakespeare, because obviously the, the work consumes everything else or subsumes everything else. But she had this idea for writing the son's story, but it's more, the novel apparently is more about him and Shakespeare's wife and Shakespeare's there and obviously he's there in the background, but he's not the central character. I haven't read anything yet that is less than glowing in, in praise of it. So it's actually one of those books we are quite excited to read, but not not daunted, but you know, you just hope it lives up to the, the hype and the expectation that you have. Yeah, like you have read, I've read loads of fantastic reviews of it and she's a great writer. So yeah, that'd be another one I would, I would like to read as well. I've never read I Am, I Am, I Am. I've heard mixed reviews of that, actually. I've got as many reviews. I mean, just people I know that read it. Some people like it more than others, but yeah, that's always true. So yeah, uh, yeah, that does sound brilliant. We're on to your third choice of a book that you're going to read in 2021. And the theme this time is travel. And it's a book called Doubling Back by Linda Cracknell. And it sounds like a brilliant book, actually. It's just amazing. Ten, ten essays on different walks that she's done. So again, I've got interest in doing this. I want to do more of this kind of writing myself at some point, uh, doing cycling and walking. I've loved doing all that in the last year or so. So I've got a number of books and the whole list of books I really want to read about travel books. I read a lot of Spanish ones and I really enjoy them and how people do it. I used to read a lot of travel, but I haven't done for a number of years since I started the project last year. But Linda Franklin one is a double thing. First of all, I've got connection with Linda. I know Linda a bit. She's been around the Scottish writing scene for ages. And she's somebody who, again, I've read extracts from and I've heard of book festivals and stuff like that, but I've never actually read a full book of Linda Franklin. And all the women she's in, she's an incredibly nice and very, very interesting woman. And she also wrote in the same place in Spain that I wrote. In fact, one of the reasons why I ended up in the place in Spain where I wrote the book was because Linda Franklin had been there first and through a, a mutual contact, David Simons. I ended up there too. So I think one of the stories, one of the, the essays that she's written is actually written in the same place I wrote. 
I mean, she, she's a walker in a way that I'm not a walker. It's like, uh, when I was in uh, the Alicante Mountains, I went on a couple of walks and I went, you know, and there's this hugely mountainous, incredibly hot during summer, and it's a really empty region of Spain, kind of massive, kind of bald mountains everywhere. Uh, and I felt really, really adventurous at one point going up, a, I don't know what it would be, maybe a two and a half thousand foot mountain with three people with me and loads of water and then a big meal to go up in a car to take us home. Linda would go up in the morning, according to the people in the news, and the town would go stayed in at different times, would go up in the morning with a small haversack and disappear for two weeks. And she would just wander by herself along these incredibly remote moments. People, people have died, you know, it's the Scottish Highlands. Now, the danger being the sun and the heat and the lack of water rather than bad weather. So she's just, she's a walker not like me at all. She is a proper walker. I mean, she walks, she walks like miles and miles and always by herself and always kind of subsistence living. I mean, she kind of lives up what she finds. She is just extraordinary. So I, I didn't really know, but I, I knew about the book, but it was only uh, doing this book of mine. I was like, so what, what is it Linda's written? And that book just looks amazing. These 10 extraordinary walks and Britain, India, Spain, Scotland, all kinds of places. And she's such a great writer, isn't it? I've ever heard her. I've dipped into that book, I've now got it, and I've dipped into it, and I just, she's just a great writer. Because one of the things that, that piqued my interest was apparently her father had walked through the Alps back in 1952. So 50 years later, she was kind of almost trying to retrace that journey. And I think that, I think that's a great idea because it's, again, it's so much more than just about the walk and her experience because it's linking the past and the present which is kind of like you know you mentioned it already in terms of the memoir everything passes everything remains that you wrote that's a kind of central theme of the past linking with the present and memory and memory of people as well Mason just I, I got the book I didn't look at the front page until I got it properly and I've seen it and bought it in the bookshop but it's, it's got a like my book has got a, a subtitle I mean is Free Feeling Through Spain Song and Memory her subtitle is 10 Paths Trodden in Memory. And I didn't know this. And all the time, Linda, you have been writing this book and I've been very helpful and very supportive and stuff like that. I had no idea that actually I'd half stolen one of her titles. <laughs> I didn't know that. So yeah, again, that thing, we seem to have a lot in common, though I suspect very, very different because we're very different types of travel. I'm 30 miles on a bike down a nice hotel and a good, good shower and a big meal. You know? So very different. But yeah, I'm really important in that. Yeah, I think it's certainly one that I, I, I'll investigate as well. Well, you are listening to the Read All About It podcast, the last podcast of 2020, where Chris Dolan and I are looking forward and looking ahead to the books that we're going to be reading in 2021. And we're on to my third book, Chris, and it's a book called The White Ship by Charles Spencer. And this is a book that I kind of just, I think just stumbled upon on the internet. And it's a non-fiction book. It's a historical book that tells the story of King Henry I, who after four years of fighting the French, was kind of the unassailable and dominant figure in European politics and, and the most formidable ruler on the continent. And they were sailing back from France to England and he and some of his retinue had sailed ahead in the first ship. And then the second ship, which was called the White Ship, which I think was the fastest of his fleet, it was following with most of his court and his son and heir, William. And I think William was a bit of a spoiled brat, really. So he, basically, they all get hammered before they set sail on the White Ship. So they were all drunk when they set sail at night. And the ship 
hit rocks and sunk, and I think there was only one survivor from all the passengers. So effectively, Henry I's heir and most of his court were wiped out in one move. And what really caught my attention was this idea of this one moment, this one instant, changes the course of English and European history forever, because on the back, the repercussions of that for, for England were, it was basically civil war, the marketing brief is a kind of Game of Thrones type thing where everybody's fighting for the throne because all of, all of a sudden this powerful, unassailable figure has the, the rug pulled from under his feet because he no longer has his son and heir. He no longer has most of his court and his closest advisors. And so he has problems internally, has problems from elsewhere, Scotland, Wales, Ireland. And it sounds absolutely fascinating of how, I always love these ideas of how just that one moment, a catastrophic event, changes everything because what would have happened you know you know you can't even begin to imagine what would have happened if that ship had managed to sail back successfully it changes everything in terms of history from that moment on and it sounds absolutely fascinating it's like that sliding doors idea isn't it it's just that uh, you know there's been one slight difference then uh, everything would have changed you know, history's made up of tons of accidents and uh, and unforeseen consequences and stuff uh, who is the writer i, I don't know uh, it's a guy charles spencer i don't know if he's just a, a historian Again, it's a, it's a book that's got a lot of praise and I think it's had a, a few awards and what have you uh, this, season, this, this season. That's me talking about football again this year. I would, the only thing I would say about it is that it's still only out in hardback and I, I did have a look just before Christmas, but it was £25. I thought, I'm going to read that in 2021, but I have a funny feeling I might be reading the, the paperback. I, I don't like hardbacks anyway, do you? I don't mind. I don't have any particular preference one way or the other. I think it's very hard to read. I mean, I've got them. My, my kids, my kids in my late 20s, but from all my life's experience and everything that I've learned from life, the only thing I can ever pass on to you is always take a book. Um, that's about the only advice, useful advice I've ever had to give to my wains. Uh, and you can't fit a hardback in your pocket. So I find just the, the non portability and the, the ease of reading. But uh, they're always nice things to have. I always quite like having one. And but the actually, when it comes to reading, I think ah, I started just reading the paperback. I think I suppose it depends where you're reading. I mean, I agree with you if you're on the bus or if you're going a long journey or whatever, you know, being able to just chuck a paperback in either in your pocket or in a bag. But, you know, for example, Hamlet that I got at Christmas, that is, I mean, it's, you know, a beautiful cover, hardback. There's just something a wee bit classier about it sometimes. So it does it does look and feel a bit more substantial sometimes. I mean, the other interesting about that is that from real, your book is too, but I'll this list of me just gets longer and longer. As I remember when I took a whole, when we moved house a few years ago, I took a whole lot of books to second-hand bookshops. And they said, uh, we're going to interest in your hardbacks. We bought my paperback, we wouldn't take my hardback. Right. I presume they don't buy them second-hand. Yeah, the whole point of getting a, a hardback is it's something special, which you get a first edition or whatever, zero and stuff like that. So they don't seem to sell them as second-hand. I must have been thinking about it. I can't remember buying a second-hand hardback book, unless it's... You know, it's not a novel unless it's a book of photography or something else, you know, football books and stuff, sport books. And... The next book that uh, we're going to talk about is your next read of 2021, and it's a Spanish book. And the book is called El Corazon Helado, which apparently means, which you're going to tell me anyway, The Frozen Heart by Almudena Grandes. That's, that's a new, you find it hard to pronounce. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, given that I'm probably not going to be able to get to Spain, at least until very late on in 2021, the next cycle we can decide on the cycling route is we're not going to try and organise some in the summer because there's just too many ifs and buts of the vaccines and everything else and stuff like that. So we can decide that the next cycle will be our traditional, which I should be on now, we're just coming back from cycling the Canaries at Christmas. So for years we've been going for 10 days to the Canaries to, to cycle, kind of the Grand Canaria. 
because of heart, because it's all month of the sequence, you end up coming back but for Christmas, you don't, you don't make it a bad meeting. Uh, I give yourself a you know, during Christmas because you've, you've lost weight and got fit and, and ladies. But that's, so that at the very earliest is probably the, the first I'll get to Spain. So I want to keep my Spanish up and keep reading Spanish. One of the things I, de- I definitely will do this year, and this is a straight connection with you, but I haven't chosen it as a book because we've talked about it, because you read Don Quixote on my recommendation and really enjoyed it. It's about 10 years since I've read it. So I thought I would like to, and the last time I read it, actually I read it in English. It's been about 25 years or so or more since I've read it in Spanish, uh, the original. So, and I've got a couple of just like little hardback books. I've got two lovely hardback versions of Don Quixote. Uh, so I fancy that. But I also want to just read more Spanish. And there's a, a writer, this woman, Almodena Grandes. I've read a few books by her. The one you might recognise, the one that's kind of best known here, is The Three Ages of Lulu. It became a film by Vigas Luna, a Spanish director, but quite a big hit here as well. Uh, she's quite extraordinary, right, Almodena Grandes? Uh, I see her quite often. I read El País, and she writes for El País and various other magazines. So she's a kind of, I don't know, I suppose, a kind of a, a Margaret Atwood-type figure in the Spanish-speaking world. And I read a couple of earlier books, and, and this book I've got on Elado is, is 10 years old or so. But it's, it's another of these books, which is a really big thing in Spain and has been for years, and it's got the epic generational thing from the Civil War to now. So that thing about how the Civil War still plays out in everybody's lives, and it absolutely does during my whole trip last year. It was everywhere, the Civil War. Uh, what do you do about the people who are buried in communal graves? You know, what do you do about uh, the puppet soldiers? What do you do with Franco's body? What do you do with Garcia Lorca's body? All these kind of things. So El Corazon, uh, or El Corazon, uh, El Ado, is said to be one of her best works. And I've never read it. And I just really fancy a great writer. And yeah, I just thought that'd be something that would give me some about contemporary Spain and also deepen my interest in the Civil War and all of that. I think I might be the first book I'm going to read, actually, uh, during New Year, uh, during the holiday. Because is that, is that a challenge then in terms of, because obviously maybe in the course of your day you're constantly speaking in English, you might be reading or working or writing in English, but then are you able to switch off and switch over quite seamlessly into just reading Spanish then? Well, two things now. One is that uh, I'm, not, I'm not an, an actual linguist. Um, Moira, my wife, can do that. Both Liam and Eddie, the two guys are single with are better linguists than I am. Great linguists can do it. I remember once I was working for UNESCO, I talked to my boss, who was American, the office for UNESCO was in Paris. Uh, so I was in the office. I was just sitting in the office working. But he was on the phone to his wife, who's Italian. And two or three people came in as he was talking on the phone to you know, get things passed by and whatever. And a French guy came in and he had a quick conversation with him and then invited the Italian again. Then uh, I spoke to him in English. Uh, and then a Russian guy came in and he spoke to him in Russian. And I'm sure there's another language in there. But Great linguists can do that. They just they, they don't have a problem. They just go, just like great footballers. You know, they just have this ability to do it. There's no effort involved. I'm, I'm absolutely not like that. So no, uh, for me, it does. If I sit down at night to read, then I quite often have to go back and read the first page of it. I just read again. I do get into it, and I finally get it. But the second thing is it depends on the writer. There are certain writers who I can read with absolute ease. And I'm not entirely sure why. Just something about the style of their writing. Because it was the same in English. Some people just kind of flow to you, you know. So, for instance, Mario Vargas Llosa. I love reading Mario Vargas Llosa. And one of the reasons why he's my favourite writer is because I can read him in Spanish so easily. It just kind of flows off the page and it doesn't seem to me to be difficult. And he doesn't seem to use really unusual words or whatever. So, he's kind of easy to understand. Uh, and I know from what I've read before of Almudena Grandes that she's like that too. I can read her. There's something about the way she writes. There's another great writer, um, Javier Marias, who everybody raves about, like he's like the great writer in Spain at the moment. And it's interesting, I just couldn't read in Spanish. I was, I was 
trying to read it, and I thought, I, just, I don't understand this. And I finally got a, a, a Heart So Light is one of his first great books. And I got it in English, and I was pleased to find out that I couldn't understand it in English. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's just some of the way he writes, so I'm, I'm just not getting this. So yeah, so it, it does depend. But if you get the right writer, then yeah, usually after a page or two, I'm kind of then in Spanish, and I can think in Spanish and just read in Spanish. And obviously, if you're reading at night in Spanish, do you then, uh, do you then find yourself dreaming in Spanish? You do, but actually, yeah. Uh, that happens more if you're actually in Spain. If you're in Spain and talking Spanish all the time, then you do start dreaming in Spanish. Whatever that means, you know, you can wake up in Spanish is in your head. So, yeah, to some extent, you do. If you, if you read long enough, then, yeah. We are on to my fourth book that I'm going to be reading or trying to read in 2021, and it's a novel by Andrew O'Hagan called Mayflies. I like the idea of this book. It takes you back to 1986 and it's a group of guys from Ayrshire and they travel down to Manchester and have this great weekend at a music festival. And it's all about their kind of relationship as young men and how music links them. And, you know, at that time, that was the most important thing in, in the world. And then the story moves on 30 years and, and something's happened where two of the friends need each other. And it's that link again between past and present and how that those friendships and the links, the bonds that endure, sometimes strong, sometimes weak. There is... I'm not sure quite autobiographical elements in the book, but apparently uh, Andrew Hagen wrote it. He'd, one of his close friends from that period that he'd always remained friends with had passed away a couple of years ago, and it was part of the motivation when he was writing it while his friend was dying, was kind of almost telling that story of the friendship. So I really like that idea of, because it is almost, you know, I'd have been 20 in 1986, so it would have been, it's almost kind of got a ring of authenticity to my life as well. So I, I, I'm quite intrigued to read that. It's interesting that there seems to be a lot of books around, particularly from Scottish writers. Maybe it's beyond that too, but I've noticed in Scottish writers. So, you know, the one I just mentioned, uh, Damien Barr, is a kind of a, a set in the past and lead us up to the, the here and now. So it's kind of a memoir, Elmo. That is a memoir, actually. Chucky Bain has that bringing up from uh, from 70s to 80s to now. Uh, I already mentioned Janice Galloway. Uh, this book, Scabby Queen, does some of that too. That's the music in the 80s and 90s. And, I'm not quite sure why, but it's quite interesting. Though. Why, why is that? Is it, is it because we're at the cusp of it? I would like to think it's because we're on the cusp of something big in Scotland and something's going to change. And we're kind of, we're kind of studying the, the past 30 years and where we've got to. We're on to your last choice. And I, and I really like this because I, I remember when I was, we were speaking about ahead of this and the idea of talking about books that we're going to read in 2021 and you were categorising them. And this is, this is my favourite category because this is, I, I suppose this is book that I, I, I say I'm going to read, but I know I won't. And it's uh, Proust in Search of Lost Time. I've been saying it for 40 years. I've, I've tried it a few times. I've managed to get to the famous Madeline bit. You know that, that the story of the Madeline? So I'll be Proust wrote this book in his bedroom where people wait to see. He wrote this entire book. I don't know how much of this is apocryphal. I'm not an expert by a long show. I don't know that much about him. But I think he, he wrote the entire thing, five volumes of the stuff, uh, from his bed when he was ill. And it's all, again, with memory and memoir. If you keep them right, it's interesting. That maybe, maybe it's a turn of the year thing. But this is very much about remembering his past life. There's a really famous bit when he's in his own room, which is in a, a, a tenement-style thing in Paris. And the woman downstairs is somewhere, he smells fairy cakes, Madeleine. And it reminds him of his aunt's house, I think, a childhood house. And there's then 50 pages, virtually without a paragraph, remembering every detail about when he first ate a Madeleine and who cooked, who, who baked it and who was there and what the wallpaper was like and what the outside and blah, 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 goes on and on and on and on and on. It's one of these books that everybody, it divides people completely. But I remember uh, once uh, I had a play 
for order more years ago. And part of the plot had to have a bookcase in it and a book. And one of the books in that, and I happen to mention that in the play, Proust, the book called Proust. Uh, and so the, the designer, Ned Gillis, uh, mocked up a whole bookcase for us for the, the theatre show. At the end of the run, she gave me the book, uh, which wasn't a real book, still just a mock-up and just looked like this cardboard. But I, I hadn't known until this point that she'd put on the back of it, you know, the blurb you get in the back of a book. And the back of her book, I was trying to find it to read it, and I can't find it. It's a shame it's here somewhere, but it's brilliant. It's, this is the most boring book ever written by anybody. If anybody was more up himself and shouldn't be allowed to be printed anywhere, do not read this brilliant book. It is absolutely, it just goes on about how much she hates this book. And a lot of people have their reaction. But I know other people who absolutely love it and think it's a wonderful thing. But yeah, I won't. I know I won't. I've, I've got it. I've, I've had it for years. There's no reason why I couldn't. But every time I look at it, I go, <sighs> it just looks so big. I mean, I've never tried it. And now that you've explained it, there is 50 pages explaining all about his experience and his first experience of eating a Madeleine. I think it's safe to say it's unlikely that I'm going to have a go at it. Well, maybe I'll read it. Maybe I'll read it and come back and go, wow, it's fantastic. We both know that's not going to harm. The fifth and final book that I've chosen is actually going to be the first book that I'm going to have a go at reading in 2021. Uh, and that's Ulysses by James Joyce. And it's uh, it's a book, I've actually had this copy since 1994. It was when I'd, I'd left a job. I'd been working at the Scottish Catholic Observer newspaper. When I left that, one of my colleagues, she had given me a copy of Ulysses uh, with a nice wee message inside. And I've never read it. It's been on you know, one of those books that you, at some point you think, I'm going to, I want to read this. And was talking to Ian Maloney just last week on the Table Days of Bookmas, and he had chosen a book, a non-fiction book called The Most Dangerous Book by Kevin Birmingham, which basically tells the story of the genesis of Ulysses and, and all the problems it went through in terms of censorship, etc. And he said it's a fascinating book, and that's when I'd said I had never read it. So that kind of just motivated me to look it out from the bookshelves and think, right, I've got a bit of time off at the start of the year. I'm going to just get into that. And he kind of, I, I remember you and I were having a cup of coffee last week and I was saying, you told me it's not the sort of book that you would read the way you would read a normal book, maybe just sitting at night. It's kind of, you need to let it wash over you. And that's almost exactly what Ian said as well. You just have to kind of almost immerse yourself in it and just take it for what it is and enjoy it that way. It used to be, and so I finally finally read it about, probably 10 years ago now. Uh, I did what you did with Bill Cooks. Actually, I took on holiday. I remember reading it in Spain. I always wanted to read it in Ireland. I thought, maybe, maybe I'll get it in Ireland. Because like Proust, I had tried it 20 times. I thought, maybe I read this in Ireland. But I never got to Ireland but long enough to have to, to, to try that. But I took on holiday once and somebody else told me that too. Don't try and understand all the time or try and you know, know all the stuff you know, so based on uh, Ulysses, uh, the Roman epic, the Latin epic and stuff like that. Forget all that stuff. Forget all the, the, the great people of master's degree just in that one book. You don't need to know any of that stuff. You just let it wash over you with the, with the expression I was given. And that's exactly what I did. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was funny, which I hadn't expected. I thought it was dead dirty, which I hadn't expected. I just I just thought it was great, actually. I really enjoyed it. I want you to you lose all that great classic literature stuff and just read the book. It is actually very readable. And then at that point, I finally got into reading it properly. I don't remember it being difficult at all. It's just a mad book that keeps on telling you. And it's just loads and loads of these stories. It's kind of a wee bit like the quick start in that sense that I thought it was these two guys in 24 hours in Dublin. It just goes off the knees kind of other stories and people tell stories. That are, it's like almost like a series of millions of short stories. And I thought it was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed it. 
the way I read is normally one book at a time. So I, and I just focus on that and then on to the next book. And the only time I really didn't do that this year was I, I read War and Peace. So I would read that during the day. And again, because it was so big and it was such an epic and I wanted to really kind of take my time with it. And then at night I would just read other things. So I'm kind of planning to do that with Ulysses as well, that maybe just read that during the day and then at night, you know, whether it's short stories or nonfiction, I'll kind of dip into something else so that it gives me a contrast. I suspect you might find it'll take you over because it did with me, you know. So, like any book, you know, it takes a few pages and stuff like that. But I remember thinking, again, even though I've been told Leather will show me to get all about how clever it is or how classic it is, just read it. I did find within, you know, 20 or 30 pages, actually, I found myself fairly obsessive about it. And then I read it in a one-hour, you know, on over several days, uh, a week or so on holiday. But I didn't read anything as in between. If I was always, my soldier was forward to the back to it. Well, I'm definitely, I'm, as I say, I'm going to start that on January the 1st, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And that's us uh, sadly come to the end of the very last podcast of 2020. Although I think what we should do at some point in next month is reconvene to see how we've got on uh, in terms of what we've read and whether we've, we've managed to, to get through any of these books that we've chosen today. Can I just say, actually, in 2020, it's going to be in everybody's minds has been one of the worst years of all time. These podcasts all have been just such fun to do. Fun ones I've been involved in. Great to do is maybe think about books, pick up books again, look at them again, think about them again. Uh, also, the books that other people have recommended, the conversations you've had with people. It's been brilliant. It's been one of the things I'm going to remember in 2020. It was the start, at least, of the people I'm going of your podcast. It's been brilliant fun. Well, I am, given the fact I've, I've put something out every day in December, I'm going to have a short break at the start of January before uh, season two returns. But we've already got for season two. I've spoke to, to Stuart Cosgrove, Douglas Skelton, Michael J. Malone, and an Irish writer called Aidan McQuaid. So they'll all be coming up in January and, and some brilliant book chat and more recommendations for all of us to read as well. But Chris, it's, you know, you and I have done loads of these podcasts this year and, and obviously it just kind of replicates the kind of conversations we have whenever we meet up anyway. So it's it's been great and I hope you have a great Hogmanay as, as well as we can we can celebrate and a Happy New Year when it comes. It won't be much different for me anyway. I don't tell you about Hogmanay, so I'll do what I normally do. And I always quite enjoy it. So the same to you. Good New Year when it comes. And uh, yeah, see you in 2021. Bring it on. Thanks for listening to the Read All About It podcast. And I'd love to hear what you thought about it. You can get in touch via Twitter at ReadAllAbout20, on Instagram at ReadAllAboutItPodcast, or you can send an email to ReadAllAboutIt at paulcuddehy.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, subscribe, leave a review and spread the word. If you haven't enjoyed it, say nothing to anybody. But I do hope you can join me, Paul Cuddihy, next time on the Read All About It podcast. And in the meantime, keep reading. Keep reading.